All right, good morning. We welcome you to the Lord's house this morning. Good to see you. Uh, we're going to baptize Duke and Ashland this morning, and I want to put a scripture on the, on the screen. We use this a lot around here, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And there's a lot of ways to confess with your mouth. This isn't the only way. But we use, we use baptism as a form of that. And, and I ask everybody who's uh, baptized here, do you believe that you've received Jesus as your Savior? And I ask them, if that's true, to say yes. And by saying yes, uh, that's the confession, the confession of their mouth. And so I'll ask you all the same thing. And, and, and I don't care. I think it'd be great when I ask each of them, if, uh, if the answer is yes for you, then you can say yes. But uh, so anyway, good to have these, these two, and, and we're going to baptize them now. This is Duke. And uh, Duke, do you believe that you have received Jesus as your Savior? Yes. All right. Therefore... By your confession of faith, I baptize this, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. You're next. This is Ashlyn, and I'm going to ask you the same thing. Grab hold of that real tight. Do you... Ashlyn, do you believe that you have received Jesus as your Savior? Yes. Therefore, by your confession of faith, I baptize this, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Hallelujah, middle of the mystery, 
darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I confused, when you're scared, when you're broken, when you're stressed, when you're weak, when you're hungry, when you're tired, when you're lonely, when you're abused, when you're sad, when you're overwhelmed, when life is good and when life is bad, Jesus is enough. I'm going to read this scripture and when we were singing this song this morning when we were practicing it, well back up when I was picking songs for today, we were only going to do two songs because of the baptism and stuff and um picked my two songs but I couldn't get this song out of my head I kept going back to it so I just stuck it in there too and decided we'll just do three um and then when we were practicing it this morning I kind of got this in my head to put up on the screen and read before we did the song and I was telling Matt and I gave him the scripture to put up and he said well did you know Daryl was gonna use this in his message this morning I said nope I didn't but it doesn't surprise me not one bit, uh, one of those things that look like looks like a coincidence, but it's really not. And we know that God plans the service out exactly like he wants it. We're just, he just uses us to do it. Um, so I'm going to read this scripture. And um, because of what I just said, I, I know that he doesn't just want us to read it. He doesn't just want us to, to hear it. Um, he wants us to know it. He wants us to believe it. Um, the best way to to realize that he is enough is through our weaknesses. And I could give you a hundred examples just in my life of how this scripture has played out um, in my everyday life. But yet he still has to remind me constantly that he is enough when I'm really, really stressed. And I think I need all these other things. He constantly has to say, stop, I'm enough. Just believe it. And so I think it's, you know, we know it, but I think it's good to have that reminder. So I'm going to read it again and just let's just try to not just hear it, but really believe it, um, especially as we sing this song, because he is enough. 
And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me.
Oh, can you hear me better? Could you not hear me before? Really? Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so I'd like to share a verse with you, Matt, if you don't mind. And I'm glad you guys are sitting in the front row because I'm fixing to ask all of y'all a question. Not you now, Petey. Everybody gets to answer this. Acts 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. All right. Wednesday night class, what's this called? Yell it out. The Great Commission. There you go. That's right. So Aaron is teaching the youth on Wednesday night. Uh, some verses through here, the Great Commission, and they're working on it, and I'm, I'm really proud to see it and hear them. Uh, there is an opportunity coming up. Matt, if you'll do the next screen, please, sir. Uh, we're going to have a um, class, a workshop, in a few weeks. It's in your bulletin. If y'all look at the dots on the screen, for y'all that are out there trying to speed count those, there's a hundred dots before you get too far. There's a hundred dots on that screen. As you're looking at it, um, the ones on the right and there's five on the left. So there's 95 on the right, there's five on the left. What that represents is there's been several surveys done uh, by Pew Research, uh, Barna, um, Lifeway. This represents a hundred Christians. And the 95 on the right are the ones that do not share their faith on a regular basis. In these surveys, over and over, about 5% of Christians actually share their faith on a regular basis. Acts 1-8 right there, we, we are commanded to go and share the gospel throughout the world. And so um, there's a lot of reasons that there's only five dots on that one side. Um, why don't we share our faith more regular? If you're like me, it's a little scary sometimes. You know, I've been a Christian a long time, been a Gideon for 10 years, and it's still, it's still a little intimidating to, to share your faith with somebody. And so there's fear. There's fear of rejection. There's fear of, and I've heard this several times, uh, well, what if I say the wrong thing? What if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? You know, and then worst of all, kind of scary, well, what if they say yes, they want to accept Jesus? Then what do I do? So, okay, so here's what we're going to do. All right, Matt, I think the next one. We are holding a workshop in about three Sundays from now, I believe. Like I said, I think it's the 18th. Sound right? The 18th of, uh, of September, it's a Sunday afternoon. We're going to start around 3 o'clock. This workshop, uh, when they told us to schedule these, to schedule it for at least two hours, but we're giving ourselves more time at the end. The, uh, the lecture part of the workshop, this is the whole, this is the whole workbook. So there's not much... Um, lecture part and it's an interactive workbook we do a lot of interactive on this the biggest part of this is actually real world scenarios of how to approach people uh, questions that you can ask them and we role play we practice we don't just say hey this is what you do now get out there and do it we're going to actually and this is why it could take two and a half hours three hours we're not going to rush it whatever it takes until everybody feels comfortable being able to witness to somebody. So uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Now we've got uh, like the first 15 because we're trying to keep the class size not too big because when we start doing the role play, it takes some time. But please, if there's already 15 people signed up on the sheet, please sign somewhere else on the paper so that we know how many more people are interested and actually we'll do another class. We'll do as many as we need to do until everybody has gone through it and everybody feels comfortable witnessing. That's our job. I mean, as Christians, you know, why wouldn't we want to go out and share the gospel that we know with somebody else? One of the things that we talked about this last weekend, I went to another workshop in Nashville, 
do not doubt what God can do through you. So let's just let's work on that. So hit the sign-up sheet. You want to come up here? I'll pray for you before okay. we start. All right. I'm sweating like crazy. Mind if I just jump in the tub for a sec, cool off? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this day, and, and not just because um, the beautiful weather, but, Father, we pray that um, – that lost people have another opportunity to come to know you. Father, we pray that as uh, as we go out into the world, that you will help us to be bold witnesses for you. And Father, that uh, that this class coming up, we, we pray for it and, and a lot of participation. And Father, we just, uh, we pray a, a lot to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and that's where it starts. And Father, we just we just thank you for that. Father, pray for Brother Daryl this morning as he brings your message, and just help us be those Christian men and women you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, everybody who's had a part in any way. When I uh, turn in your Bible, Hebrews chapter twelve. And when I walked by the sheet a little while ago, coming into the sanctuary, is about half full. So if you want to be in that first group. I would uh, sign up pretty quick. Supper will be provided. Supper will be free uh, that night. Hebrews chapter 12. We've been going over verses 1 through 4 the last two weeks. This week, I'm going to skip back to verse 1. We haven't really covered verse 1. We'll do Hebrews 12, 1, and then the first part of verse 2, which is something we every week it has been looking unto Jesus. Focus on Jesus, fix your eyes on him, looking to him. That's the first part of verse 2. So the main thing we're going to cover is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Title of the message, if you saw the opening screen, we're not going to go back to it, is weight loss, getting that weight off of you and so you can run the race. That's what all Hebrews 12, 1 through 4 has been about. Here we go, verse 1. Therefore, or so... We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those people we've talked about in chapter 11, all the, the heroes of faith, so many people of faith, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, every one of us, the race, the course, the lane, that we're in, let us run this race, my race, your race, this lane, this course with endurance. The first part of verse 2, looking unto Jesus. Focus on him, focus on him. So I want to go back and concentrate on verse 1. Next, in the weeks to come, we'll move on. The weight and the sin. And if there's an outline of this message on the back side of your announcements, you can like to use it. Most of this will be on the screen, not necessarily all of it. I want to do it backwards and, and cover just a look, real quickly the sin. I'm a Baptist preacher, and, you know, we preach about sin all the time. Really not going to hit that very hard now. Don't worry. In the weeks to come, we will. Okay, so I'm going to concentrate this morning mainly on the weight, laying aside every weight and the sin. And we'll, I, I promise you, if you want to hear preaching about sin, you just, you just come back. We'll, we'll always preach about sin against sin. Sin is uh, the, the next screen, just real quickly, not going to spend a lot of time, but I do want to touch on it. Sin is always a form of insanity. And if you think about people in Scripture, think about yourself, people around you, sin is always a form of insanity. Why? It's the thinking, I can get away with it. It's, uh, it's like this. You're driving down the road, you're driving, and other people don't keep the speed limit. I'm sorry if that bothers you, but they are not driving under the speed limit or at the speed limit. They're driving way over the speed limit. What's that saying? I'm sorry if this bothers you, but it's the truth. They're saying the speed limit is for everyone else, but it's not for me, you know. Now, some of you, if I, I love it when I drive a car that you don't recognize, you, speed limits for everybody else, but it's not for me. Okay, sin is like that. Sin's a form of insanity. 
Every, it, sin hurts everybody else, but not me. Everybody else can't handle sin, but I can. The scripture says that the wages of sin is death. It's going to kill you. The wages of sin is death. Well, that's for everybody else, but that's not me. Sin is always a form of insanity. It's mess with your mind. It's mess with the way you're thinking. You can get away with it. Everybody else can't, but you can. No, you can't. No, you won't. It will find you out. Laying aside every sin, <clears throat> but we're going to move on to the weight. In 1 Corinthians 6, 12, Paul puts it this way. Let me say this before I read the scripture. Sin is breaking God's law. God said, don't, and you do. That's sin. God says, do, and you don't. That's sin. Sin is breaking God's law. But the weight that the, the uh, Hebrew pastor talks about, laying aside the weight, is not sin. It's, it's something else. Paul explains it this way as we move on. All things are lawful for me. They may be okay, Bible doesn't say you can't do it. All things may be lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any, of anything. So that sin, that sin, but this other thing that you're wrestling with may not be sin, but it's a weight. Lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. This isn't in your note, but I'm going to say this to you and move on. Every sin is a mistake, but every mistake is not a sin. John Wesley wrestled with that as he began, as he began the Methodist church. Every sin is a mistake, but not every mistake is a sin. Some of it's just a weight. So that's what we're going to deal with, the, the weight. Lay aside the weight. The first one is the weight of others. Lay aside the weight of others as other people weigh you down. Let me start this way. I can't find it. I don't know the book I read this in or the instruction that I found this in, but it was on an uh, uh, instruction book on relationships and specifically on uh, husband and wife relationships. Don't mean to pick on that. That's just what it, what it was. And it was given advice on choosing a mate and getting along with your mate, your, your spouse, you know, etc. And it said this, and I didn't get it at first, and it took me a while to get it. I never thought of it in this way, but it said, uh, and I wish I could say it exactly. I won't get it exactly right. But you're, the best spouse, you know your spouse, this is, this is right for you, this will work. When you're... When you like the way you are, when you're with him or her. When you like the way you are, when you're with them. You like the way you are because they're your spouse. Okay, that seems like a simple thought, but I didn't get it. I looked at it and I said, what? I like the way I am. When I'm with her, in my case, it's her. I like the way I am when I'm with her. I wasn't getting it, and I, f I finally f figured out the reason I wasn't getting it because I already do like the way I am with, when I'm with her. I always have. She makes me better. But I couldn't, I thought, is that really that big of a deal that I like the way I am when I'm with him or her? I like the way they make me. So I looked at it trying to figure all this out because it, it didn't seem to really apply to me. And, and I want to be able to talk to folks about this. So anyway, so I, I started, started thinking of it the other way. About now, now I could get this. About people that I hang around with or people that I'm with that I don't like the way I am when I'm with them. That I don't like the way I am. 
I don't like the way, I don't like the effect they have on me. Um, I got that. Now the light bulb went off. Oh, I see what they're saying. That I don't want to marry someone that I don't like the way I am when I'm around them. I didn't get it because, because I always have liked the way. But I've got plenty of people that I deal with, you know, work with, that I'm with, that I don't like the way I am when I'm with them. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and, and when you leave the conversation, or uh, I think it works out mainly more when you're in a group and you're in a conversation and you, and you leave the group and you're by yourself and you say, I don't, like, I don't like how I feel right now. I don't like what I just said, you know, in that group. Because I find that I was a little more like them than I really want to be. That's not really me. That's just, you know, the, the way they were, what they were saying, what they, what they talked about, the, the way they talked, that may be them, but that's not me. But I was kind of joining in with them. You know, we, we've all done that. And so I don't like the way I am when I'm around them. I don't like the way they make me feel the way, I, I, just, I don't like that. So the weight of others is begin to recognize that and to limit that. Oddly enough, you may not think so, but when I get around a group of pastors, when I get around a group of pastors, see, everybody in the group is no longer a pastor because everybody in their church is not there. They are the biggest bunch of complainers that I, that I deal with. I don't like being in a group of them. I don't like how it makes me. I don't like the direction it pulls me. My problem is that person who's a whiner and a complainer and is always dragging other people down. Before long, it begins to drag me down. I've got to watch that. Now, I don't know what it is with you. That may not bother you at all. But there's somebody that when you're around them, they're pulling you down. They're dragging you down. It's the, it's the weight of others. And it's for me to recognize that. Now, I'm not going to separate myself from them. I'm not going to, you know, complete just, just I'm not going to write them off. I need, to, I need to be able to reach them. I need to be able to encourage them. I need to be able to lift them up. But I've got to be very careful about that person who drags me down, who, what it weights me down. I've got to be, I've got to limit myself. You know what? Uh... To today, this morning, I've already had to do that. I've just had to kind of back away from some folks who just, who just were intent on weighting other people down around them. Now, I want to I do this. This is important. I want you to think right now of somebody in your life. This won't be too hard. I want you to think of somebody in your life who has a negative influence on you. What they say, what they do, whatever. I want you to think in your mind, I'm not hardly ever going to ask you to do this, but I want you to think in your mind, somebody in your life who has a negative influence on you. They, they are weighting you down. I want you to think of that person right, right now. Okay, that's not too hard. Now what I want you to do is I want you to consider, as I've said this to a a group of people in this room, and perhaps someone who's watching this, I want you to consider, as everybody has thought of somebody, did anybody think of you? Are you that person? I'm kind of turning it around now, right? Instead of always thinking about there's a person dragging me down, can you consider that somebody right now is thinking about you. Does that bother you? It would bother me if it doesn't bother you. That you would be the person. That right now somebody's thinking about you. That you're the one that's weighting others down. The weight of others. More painful then the fact that other people are weighting me down for me would be the fact that I might be the one that's weighting them down. I, I, just, I just don't want to be 
that person. The, the weight of others. Now, I want to a scripture, and we'll look at the weight of things, not spend there very much time there at all. But the scripture is kind of long, Philippians chapter 3, 7 through 14. Paul says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on on this race, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. I'm not going to stay there long, but I love that verse. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The weight of things, leaving all things. Not going to stay here long, but because this, this morning's more about the relationship side of it. But there may be things, your love of things, your love of this, your love of that, that's holding you back. It's the weight. It's keeping you from running the race. Your mind's all wrapped up in a thing or an activity or an, or an, or an event or whatever. And your mind, just, you're just wrapped up in that thing. Be careful about the weight of things. And there may be some things that you need to lay aside that are weights to you. But let's go on and, and finish this. The weight of others, the weight of things, and now it's the weight of yourself. The weight of yourself. Getting rid of yourself. Changing. Becoming somebody new in Christ. The weight of yourself. Consumed with yourself. Consumed with what you want. Consumed with what you think. Consumed with your opinion. Consumed with your lust. Consumed with you. I promise you this. I promise you this. Everyone in the room who has an exceeding real problem with this, consumed about what you think, consumed about what you want, I promise you this, when any, if you're in a room and, and I'm talking to people and I ask you about who it is that's weighing you down, you are thought of in that room. Somebody has pictured you. Somebody has thought of your name. Because that consumption of yourself, so wrapped up in me and mine and, and what I want, that weighs other people down, but you may not realize that. And here's the problem. The number of Christians that I've run into and talked to them about this, this is a real ish issue that, that is, uh, is unbelievable to me. But it's that person that's so consumed with themselves, so wrapped up in themselves, and I'll talk to them about the fact that that's becoming a weight to others in your life, and the answer to that is, I don't care. That's a, a deep-rooted spiritual issue. That someone who calls themselves a Christian doesn't care about how they're weighing other people down. There's a person who needs new life, a new self, and it's, it's getting rid of myself. Now, we are going to look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 9. Lindsay's already read the verse, but I want to deal with the last part of the verse. This is Paul praying, in case you don't know. This is Paul praying, and Paul's got something wrong with him in this flesh. He's sick. or something. Paul's got, a, it's called a thorn in the flesh. 
There's something wrong with Paul. There's something physically wrong. So he's praying about it. That's what, he, that's what we should do. And Paul said he prayed about it three times. And this was the answer that Jesus told him. Jesus said to him, he said to, he said to me, Paul said. So this is what Jesus said to him. My grace is sufficient for you. Because the answer to Paul's prayer was no. I'm not going to heal you. But my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul goes on and says, Therefore, so, gladly, I'd rather boast in my infirmities. That's my, what's wrong with me? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's what I want you to see. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. may rest upon me. In the Greek, it means this, build a tent around me. That the power of Jesus, that I could be so in tune to what God is doing, what God is saying, what God is trying to do to me, that I could be so in tune with Jesus, and I could be so selfless, because what, what's happened in that verse, Paul has prayed three times, and three times Jesus said, no. The answer is no. You're going to have to live with this problem that you've got the rest of your life. The answer is no. But because of this issue with you, because of this thing that I'm leaving in you and on you, it's, it's like I'm going to build a tent of power around you, build a tent around you that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And what happens is when that happens, building a tent around, everybody can see it and they know it. And the power of Christ begins to not only be around you, but in you. And now instead of, instead of weighing people down, you're the one that's lifting people up. Instead of when people see you, they say, oh no. I say, instead they say, oh yeah, good. He, he's here. She's, she's here. I'm so glad to see them. I'm so glad that they're here because that person is lifting people up. If that doesn't matter to you, I'm going to be blunt with you. If it doesn't matter to you that you raise people up, lift people up, or weigh them down, there's something spiritually wrong with you. There is something spiritually wrong with you. And that needs to be changed. That needs to be fixed. And I can't do that. But the power of Christ can. As Jesus comes in and he begins to mold you and change you and he begins to build that tent, or tent around you, you know what that's a picture of? Baptism. Im immersed. That's why the scripture calls it being baptized in the spirit. There's baptism in the water and there's baptism in the spirit and they don't necessarily happen at the same time. Uh, being baptized in the spirit is just like the water. The picture is the same thing. It's a total immersion. And when you come up out of the water, you're different. When you come up out of spirit baptism, you're different. Hallelujah, that's what I want. I don't want to be there. I do not want to leave the Lord's house this morning the way I came in. I want to be different. I don't want to be that guy that's weighing anybody down. It would just kill me to know that, I, that, that I'm a drag on anyone because, of, because I'm so wrapped up in myself. The weight of myself, oh Lord, if I could ever get rid of one thing, it would be getting rid of me. Dying to me, dying to myself, dying to what I want, dying to what I think, dying to my opinion. Oh, Lord, if there's anybody that I need to get rid of, it's not anybody else in the room, but it's me, dying to me, that Jesus would build a tent around me, and Jesus would begin to use me, not the old me, but the new me that's created in the likeness of Jesus Christ, that the Lord could change me, but I've got to be willing to get rid of myself. And that's, there is nothing easy about that. But I'm looking for the person this morning who is say, oh yeah, I'm already there. 
Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm halfway on my way. I'm looking for the person. I think the Holy Spirit's looking for the person. Say, you know, I don't know how to do that, but I want to. The only answer I've got for you, I don't, I don't have ten steps. I've got three, I've got three prayers. It's <laughs> exactly what Paul did. I, Paul said, I prayed about this three times. You know what I would do? I would get along with Jesus and begin to pray. Say, Lord, I don't know how to start. I don't know what you want to change in me, I don't, but I need that. I need that. I need you to change me. I want to be different. I don't want to be that same old person. I, I don't want to be like I have been. I want to be new. I want to be clean. I want to be fresh. Jesus, would you take me and change me? It's not ten steps. It's prayer. Jesus, show me. I'm going to ask you to stand, and a couple of musicians are going to come. We're going to have our prayer time right now. It's an important time. We spend some time alone with the Lord. I'm going to ask you to bow your head, if you will, please. And just be still for a minute and listen as his Holy Spirit speaks to all of us. And I, it, it wasn't cliche. It wasn't just something, you know, preachers say. I'm, I mean it. There's nobody in the room who needs this more than, more than I do. I, I really do. I'm hungry for the Holy Spirit to build a tent around me. And that means I've got to get rid of myself. And I don't know where that's all going to lead. And I don't even know what the Lord wants to get rid of first. But I've just got to move on in this race. And Lord, just, just do something in me. Take away, change, refresh, make new. So that your Holy Spirit would wrap around me. Another way to put it would be the Holy Spirit wrapping his arms around you. Covering you changing you I'm looking the Holy Spirit's looking for that person who just simply humbly says I want to I want to Lord that's I want to be like I don't know how but I want to as they play and sing if you want to come to an altar and pray you can kneel at an altar you can have a seat on the front you can stand I need this. Is there anybody else that can just say, that's what I want. I want to. While they play and sing, if you want to come and pray, we invite you.
body.